right. Appreciate that, Josh. Yeah, good job. This is uh, one more Wednesday night as a free man. After next Wednesday night, he's going to be uh, he's tying the knot. <laughs> oh, man, we're excited for him. So I forgot to add that to the prayer list tonight. I don't know if I should pray for Courtney or pray for Josh, right? <laughs> pray for both of them, but... Uh, we're going to continue our series talking about David. And um, if you got a Bible, I know my scripture up there is wrong because I didn't get to change it. But it's, uh, we're going to be talking in um, 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7. And uh, we're going to cover a lot, of the, a lot of verses in here. I hope you're reading the story along if you can. Uh, we're skipping some portions of it. But uh, David's life is just a great, great story. Um, it's a great testimony to God. He's a man after God's own heart. Uh, to bring you up to speed, David was just a shepherd boy. He was out working the field, and God's anointed came and said, there's going to be a new king. Saul was falling away. God had moved away from Saul. Saul was always the people's champion. David was always God's champion. So Saul... Um, was getting moved away. Saul was hardening his heart towards God, and God was going to put him on the shelf. He was going to put him um, away, and he was going to call David um, and anoint David to be the king. Only problem is Saul wouldn't give it up. Saul continued to um, prod along, and he had a, a spirit come, distressing spirit come against him, and so as the story goes, Saul just hardened his heart more, 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 more. And uh, you know, when God moves on your heart, there is two, only two choices you have is to receive God's word and let him work in your heart, or you can harden your heart. And they were hard, and Saul chose to harden his heart towards God time after time after time. And so what he did, he didn't want to give up the throne. So he began to hunt David. He hated David. He was envious of David. He wanted everything that David had. I said one message, Saul had his eyes on David, and David had his eyes on God. And Saul wanted everything David wanted, had with God, and he was so jealous that he, and so envious that he wanted it no matter what the cost was. He began to hunt David. David would go on the run. David was hiding, hiding in caves. But David would not touch the Lord's anointed. David would not touch Saul he was waiting on God, waiting on God, and waiting on God. And uh, so the time comes, Saul um, had come to his boiling point. And last week we talked about how he died a shameful death. He died on a battlefield with his kids, um, dying as well, his armor bearer. And uh, we talked about a little bit about dying last week as well. You know, most Christians say they're not afraid to die, but a better question is, are you ashamed to die? Like... You don't want to be ashamed to die and meet Jesus with backslidden, you know, being backslidden in your heart or not doing the right thing or you know, not being prepared to meet God. And so Saul uh, went out uh, in a shameful way. And so now David takes over as king. David is anointed. He is appointed. He is there. He begins to prosper. He begins to conquer lands, conquer enemies extreme wealth, extreme uh, times of being uh, prop, uh, uh, profitable, uh, possibly the best life, uh, best days of the life of King David. He was king of Israel, and Israel was king of the world. Um, his nation was united. It was at peace. It was prosperous. It was God-honoring. 
everything was great. Everything was well. It was a time of prosperity and blessing. David was enjoying um, the time because it got to a point where David was no longer at war all the time. He was at a time of rest. Um, all the problems that he was forced to endure, all the time waiting for Saul, God had restored that, had put it on top of uh, everything that David was doing. And these were the days that David began to meditate and reflect on the goodness and the thankfulness of God. When you read the Psalms about thanksgiving and, and, and gratefulness, many of those Psalms come right out of this time about the grace of God. And David uh, meditated on the Lord, the law. Uh, but in that time, a dream was born in his heart. The dream was born in his heart from his own heart that he wanted to build God a place. He was dwelling in a nice place. He had a nice uh, dwelling. And so he wanted to build something for God that was permanent. He wanted a house of the Lord. He wanted to build um, something that, you know, the, the time of the tabernacle had been built, but he wanted to build a temple. He wanted to build not a temporary building, but a permanent building. And uh, David wanted to give the Lord a proper and permanent place to manifest his glorious presence. The only problem is, God said no. David asked, David dreamed, but God said no. And David's reaction to how God says no is something, how when God said no is something we all need to take to heart. It's something that we're going to hear in our own life. It was a great request. It wasn't sinful in nature. It was a really, really good request, and maybe... Here in this room, you've heard the Lord say no before, and it's, it's bitter. It, it stings sometimes, right? When you pray for something, God can say yes. Man, we love that, right? Amen. Yes, Lord. Yes. Give it to me. He gives it to you. Everything's wonderful. We kind of grimace when he says wait. It's a yes, but you're going to have to wait for it. We're kind of like, uh, how long, <laughs> right? How many years? What's, what's, what's the price for how many years is going to be? But the one that really gets us sometimes is just a flat-out no. When, when God just tells us no, uh, you know, and we've prayed many prayers. Sometimes parents pray the prayer for more children, and God says no. Sometimes you want a better career or a better job, God says no. Sometimes you want to buy a house, God says no. Sometimes you want to be married at a certain time or to a certain person, but God said no. And, you know, for us, it is as if God said to them, to David and to us, this is a good request, but it's not the plan I have for your life. It's not the purpose I have. For I, I want to take you down a different path. And though we have dreams and though we have desires, sometimes God says no. And for David, he gives us a great example. He gives us a great testimony of what to do when God says no. What to do when God says no to our dreams or our desires or, and when God says, no, that's not my plan for your life. So let's look at verses 1 through 3 and see the desire that David had expressed uh, um, uh, to God here. Second uh, Samuel, I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, Second Samuel 7, uh, verses 1 uh, through 3. It says, now when it came to pass, when the king was dwelling in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now I dwell in the house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, Go, to all that is, go do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. So he even had 
uh, Sam, he even had the man of God, Nathan, come and say, hey, it's a good desire. You know, you're, you're dwelling well and you're doing good and you want to do something for God. Go and do it. And the desire was there. And David believed that since he was living, it would be great to have God um, build, it, build something for God as well. And David is not asking for any of this at, the point. Uh, at this point. He was desired to give, to, to give something back to God. And you know, for us as Christians, sometimes that is a proper response to God, right? After we see how good God has been to us and all the things God has done for us, sometimes we want to give back. We want to, we want to do something for God. We want, to, we want to do something for Him, and we want to give out of a, a pure heart. We want to give out of gratitude. David has no ulterior motives here. Yeah, I think a lot of times when we give, we want to have ulterior motives. Like, God, I'm going to give because I want this back. No, David didn't want anything back. David had a pure heart. He was wanting to do this for God. He wanted to build a house of the Lord. His, his desire was to see God glorified and honored. There was nothing wrong with the request. It's great to have a dream. It's great to have that, uh, want to do that for the Lord. But it's not the plan of the Lord. Look at verse 4 the denial uh, that God gave him. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus saith the Lord, Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelled in a house since uh, the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with the children of Israel... Have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took from you the sheepfold from falling the sheep. Be ruler over my people, uh, over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and you have made you a great name. Like the name of the great men who are here on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them, and they will dwell in a place of their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously. Since the time I have commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies, also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. So he tells, God tells them, no. You're not going to build me a house. I don't want you to build me a house. I don't want you to build me a house. It's a, it's a denial that God tells him, and the prophet flat out tells him, he says, no, it's not going to happen. But I will build you a house. And I want this uh, covenant between me and you and your people. You will be established kingdom, and you will be wherever you are. But not just you, but your son will bring this forth. So we know who ended up building the temple was Solomon. David was going to have a son, and he was going to build a temple. But David, God said, no, he could not build a temple. But through Solomon and through his seed, he said, there will be an established uh, kingdom that will come, and it will go in your name. But David, you say, you will build me a house, but I'm telling you, I'm going to build you a house and establish your front throne forever. You see, sometimes God says no to our dreams because he has a better dream for us. Sometimes our plans are too small for God. A lot of times we may not see that. 
We may not like that, but God knew that the temple was just going to be temporary. God had a plan through David that was much greater than the plan that was only here on this earth. And for us as Christians, a lot of times we, we have plans for our life and we have dreams that just affect us here on this earth that are not necessarily bad, but they're not necessarily the best. They're not the best that God has for us. And God says, I, I don't want to give you something less than what I'm going to give you, or you settle for something that's not the best. I have a plan for your life, and I want the greatest thing for your life, not something settled for less. You know, one of, uh, our, one of my favorite scriptures is actually Josh's life scripture, is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. He was talking to the nation of Israel, and he was saying, you're my people. And I want you to know, I think these thoughts towards you, and they're thoughts that are great thoughts. They're not thoughts of, uh, uh, they're the thoughts of peace. They're not of evil. I, I want to give you a future and a hope, meaning that my plan for you is greater than any dream or desire you can have in your own will. Like, God does not want us to hand, set, settle for secondary things. He keeps the primary thing, and the primary thing is his will for our life and His best for our life. And a lot of times when we want to do good for God and He says no, it's always because He has something greater for us. He has a better purpose. He has a greater purpose. I was reading a story of a Scotland family. Uh, the name was Clark. Uh, the family's name was Clark. The Clark family was a husband and wife. They had nine children. They wanted to immigrate to the United States um, to make that dream a reality. They struggled. They scrimped, they saved all the money they could have. They got together with the government. They got together with their paperwork. They made reservations uh, uh, to, to get on this ship to be able to go to this new land. And as it happened, tragedy struck seven days before they would leave. The youngest child was bit by a dog. The bite wasn't serious, but a couple days later and a couple days before they were to leave to go to this new place that they thought was going to be so great, the doctor uh, quarantined them, and their whole family could not get on the ship to go to this new land that they had stayed for and prayed about and wanted for so long. And uh, they were so upset that their dreams had been dashed and the, the ship was going to have to sail, and the father was outraged. He felt it was unjust. He didn't understand what God was doing. He was frustrated. He cried. He stomped around in a foul mood. He was upset. Only... A, a few days later, the vessel leaves on April 15th. He found word that it had been sunk. And the ship called the Titanic went down in the middle of the ocean and everyone on it died. And you think about it. If their son hadn't got bit by a dog, <laughs> right? And hearing the news of his attitude that he took and transformed his life, dropped to his knees and said, God, I will never want my will. It's your will for my life. He had a desire, he had a dream, but God had another plan. He had spared his life of his kids. He went on to be missionaries as well and, and served the Lord for them. But you know, sometimes in our life, even people in this room, your life has been shattered or broken or your dreams have been dashed. And you wonder why God would refuse to fulfill your dream and you felt disappointed or maybe you were upset. But look, look at what God has done in your life. Look what God is going to do in your life. And when it's all said and done, you can look back and say, it wasn't my dream, it wasn't my plan, it was God's plan. 
And God's plan was greater than anything I could have in my life. And it's greater than anything I have in my life. And it might not be what we wanted at the time. But now as we look back, we see that God was up to something far greater than what we could see or what we could think or what we could even desire for our own life. As the prophet Isaiah says, for God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are far greater than our thoughts. Many times we look at it from an earthly perspective, but God looks at it from a heavenly perspective. So we look at all that and we see all that. So what's David's reaction? God tells him no, flat out. The prophet comes to him and tells him no. And if you think about it, his reaction is really where we want to close the rest of our time tonight, really think about it, because this is where it really hits home. How are we to react when God tells us no? How are we to react when our dreams are shattered? How are we to react when God says no? I gave you three things. David reacted with humility. If you look at verse 18, this is David talking back to the Lord. He said, then King David went in and sat down before the Lord. Now, one thing about David, he was a worshiper at heart. He was a, he was a guy who would go directly to God. And he always had a, God, a, heart after God, a, a heart after God. And so he heard it. He heard from Nathan. His dream was dashed. He went in and sat down before the Lord. And he said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is in my house that you have brought me this far? Wow. I mean, he looked and he said, this is my plan and this was my desire and this was my dream. But when he heard the word no, he went into God and he said, who am I, Lord? He humbled himself before God and said, I didn't deserve anything. I didn't deserve nothing. And who am I that you have brought me this far? I was a shepherd. I was a nobody. I didn't deserve anything. And yet, even though you said no to my desire, David was willing to be humbled before the Lord. In verse 19, it says, Yet this was a small thing in your sight, O Lord God, and you have spoken of your heart servant's house for a great while to come. He's saying, listen, I wanted to build something temporary. You were building something for eternity. He's saying, man, I was short-sighted. I sold myself short and you're playing for my life. He's saying, I'm a nobody and you brought me this far and now I can see and I look to see what you have to say. And he says, is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Verse 20, now, now what more can David say to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant. For your word's sake and according to your own heart, you have done all these things to make your servant know them. Think about the humility that God, that David shows here. It's the humbleness we've got to have in our own life. Listen, we can have plans, we can have dreams, we can have desires, but the bottom line is we're not God. Job's story ends with, let Job be Job and let God be God. That's what he ends with. In our life, at the end of the day, we're not God. And we got to get to a point that we get before him and we humble ourselves and we have dreams, we have desires, we have wants. But at the end of the day, we should humble ourselves before the Lord and just like David say, Lord, you're God and I'm not. 
And he says, your dreams, your desires was far greater than I could ever dream. And even though I wanted this for myself and I really thought it was a great desire, you have something far greater than me and it's none of my business. Listen, sometimes it's tough in life because we like to control everything, right? We like to control it. We want to tell God what to do. But that's not our place. Our place is one of humility. Our place is one to come before the Lord and say, God, you are the potter and I am the clay. And it's tough, but that's where we need to be. And David showed a heart of humility, something Saul didn't show. I I would beg to wonder what would have happened to Saul's life if at some point he would have said, God, I'm humbling myself before you. It's not my will, but it's your will. And David here shows us the humility that we should have before God. Have you declared that in your life? Amongst the disappointments and the blessings and the ways that God does things, have you got to a point in your life where you said, God is God and I am not? And humble yourself before the Lord and go to God in humility. Not to tell him what to do, but to say whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. And David reacted with humility, number one. That's a great way to act or to react to God's no. Number two, David reacted in worship. Now, verse 22, he says, Therefore, therefore, you are great, O Lord of God, for there is none like you, nor is there any God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people, like Israel, the one nation on earth for whom God went to redeem for himself as a people? to make for himself a name and to do for yourself great and awesome deeds for your land and before your people and who you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, the nations of their gods, for you have made your people Israel your very own people forever. And you, Lord, have become their God. He reacted with worship. He comes, he says, Lord, not only am I humbling myself, but now I'm going to pour my heart out because you are great. And there is none like you. And you are, there is no other God besides you. I don't know about you, but when I have a broken heart, worship is exactly what I need. It, it's when I feel like God is not near to me when I need to hear music that exalts God. That's why it's important for us to, to learn Christian music. I love to sing the old hymns about where, you know, the blood of Christ, about the cross of the Lord. Uh, but there's times when we might select our music and we might select what we listen to in a car. We might select what we listen to uh, in, in our downtime. But let me tell you, if you're going to get a heart that's pure before the Lord, you need to, you need to learn how to worship God. When, you're, when God says no, you truly need to surrender yourself at just, I'm not only surrender, but to worship to the Lord. And you need to go to him and not fake it till you make it, but just say, God, you are great. You're wonderful. And just have a little worship party. Just have a little worship between you and the Lord. I don't know how you do that. Maybe it's because uh, I can't play a guitar and I can't sing, but... I know people who can play. I know music's a great way to segue into that. Maybe you're a meditator where you like to get before the Lord and you just like to worship God in complete uh, silence or by yourself or in solitude. 
however or wherever you are, when God tells you no, a great reaction is to worship the Lord. When we bring glory to God, when we worship Him, if you think about your worship life, has it become dry? Sometimes when God says no, we get bitter and we don't want to worship the Lord. Usually the first thing that happens, you don't want to listen to Christian music. You don't want to listen to sermon podcasts. You don't want to listen to things on the TV or things. You start listening to other things that fill your mind that keep you from thinking about God. But the opposite should be true. Just like David, he didn't turn away from God. He turned to God with humility and with worship. When we worship God, we're inviting the presence of the Lord in our life. We are welcoming the Holy Spirit to transform our heart. There's been many times when I have come broken and in despair. My heart's been busted into pieces and I just worship the Lord and all of a sudden God begins to mend it back together again. And he puts it together piece by piece. I, I have literally seen as a pastor people's lives that's completely shattered to the point where they said, I just don't even know how I'm going to go forward. My life is shattered. My family has been shattered. My husband died. My wife has died. They were everything that I had and all that I have. And, and churches split and families split and, you know, marriages split. What am I going to do? And slowly but surely, if they keep their heart right with God, the worship of the Lord begins to put those pieces back together again. And he begins to mold them and he begins to put them together. And instead of getting bitter, you get better. Instead of saying, you know, you're exiting from God and you're pushing God away, you're receiving him into your life and he's mending your heart and he's drawing you back close again. And all of a sudden, that joy, that worship begins to bubble up in your heart again. The Bible says when David didn't react right, which we're going to talk about later on, another story in David's life. He come to a point where he said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And one of the great indicators of knowing that we're not right with God and we're not worshiping the Lord is there's no joy in our life. And not a fake happiness, but a deep-seated joy. A joy that bubbles up from our heart. A joy that soothes out of our life. And if we don't worship God when God says no, we don't humble ourselves before God, that's gone. And we're brokenhearted and we're in despair. But we need to humble ourselves. We need to worship. And I already gave you the third one by accident. We need to react with complete surrender. Look what David says in verse 25. Now, o Lord God, the Lord which you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, establish it forever and do as you have said. So let your name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of the hosts is the God over Israel, and let the house of your servant David be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found it in his heart to pray this prayer to you. And listen to this prayer. And now, O Lord God, you are God. And your words are true. And you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now therefore let it please you to bless the house of your servant. That it may continue before you forever. For you, Lord God, have spoken it. And with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. 
So he, he humbles himself. He worships God. Then he says, God, whatever you have spoken, it is done. Meaning that he is in complete surrender to God's will and not his will for his life. Our goal in our life should not be to reach our dreams, but to fulfill God's will for our life. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, Whatever you do, and whatever you eat or drink, and whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. In our life, maybe sometimes we think things come and things go, but for us, when God says, no, it's not time to pull away, it's time to surrender more to the Lord. It's time to take the next step. It's time to challenge ourselves to say, Lord, be it unto you, Lord. Whatever it is, however it is, your will will be done forever. David was saying there's no conditions to this at all. I am in 100% complete surrender to the Lord. I say this often because it's impacted my life many times, but I heard a pastor say one time, and I've said it many times, that most people with their life write out their dreams. And they put one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then they say, God, here's my life, here's my dreams. Sign your name and say it to be so. He said, rather, a true Christian's life that's surrendered to the Lord takes a blank sheet of paper, holds it up to God with their name already signed to it and says, however you fill in the blanks, it will be done in my life. And in our hearts and lives this morning, or this evening, as we think about the dreams that we've had, maybe things we've laid out for God, and it hasn't turned out the way that they should, or the way that you thought they were, could it be that we were trying to make God do our own will? Could it be that we short-sighted ourselves and thought that this is our, God's plan, but it really was just our plan? And as those dreams are shattered before the Lord, and God has said, no, we've gotten bitter. And we didn't worship the Lord. And we didn't surrender, but we pulled away from God. So as we think about it tonight, as we bring this before the Lord, I hope that we'll react tonight in those three ways. We'll humble ourselves, we'll worship God, and we'll completely surrender our will to Him, no matter whatever it is and however it is that we will do whatever He's called us to do. Let's pray together.